Hey there, I'm Becca Campbell, your pediatric sleep consultant, and this is the Little Z Sleep Podcast, where I am committed to resolving your child's exhausting sleep habits, even the ones that happen at 5 a.m. Y'all, I get questions every single week about your child's sleep and how to solve certain issues, and probably the biggest one that I'm hearing is how to get your child to sleep later. And y'all aren't even asking to sleep in, okay? We all know as parents, there's no such thing. You are not going to sleep in. In fact, I did an Insta story joke about how if you wanna sleep in, here's what you do. You wake up every day at 5.30, and then on Saturdays, you sleep until 6.30. <laughs> That's how you sleep in as a parent, right? But I know so many of y'all out there are struggling with your baby or your toddler or your older child getting up in between 4 and 6 a.m. every day, and you are at wit's end. And I'm here to bring you some relief, some strategies, and really the whys behind what's going on, why it's happening, how to fix it, and where you can go from here. All right. Now, before I get into today's podcast, I want to read a review of the week from a family that I recently wrapped up with. And I absolutely love her story of going from co-sleeping to through the night, 12 hours every single time. This is actually a blog that was written by a former client of mine, and I will link it in the show notes. But here's what Liz said about our work together. You guys, the third night of sleep training, Brayden went down in his crib, awake, didn't cry, and slept 12 hours. What? I was in shock. Even my husband, who complained about spending money, told me this program was worth every penny. When I say Becca is an angel, I mean it. She is so sweet and understanding. She answered the hundreds of questions I had, always tailored the plan for Brayden, and encouraged us along the way. Becca gave us the tools we needed to teach Brayden how to put himself to sleep. We hired Becca in March, and Brayden has slept through the night since. We were warned naps usually take a month to adjust, but when it clicked, he was napping for three hours hours a day. Liz, it's really because of your commitment and your trust in me that we were able to reach these goals. And y'all, yeah, your child really can sleep 11 to 12 hours. So let's dive into today's episode on how we can reach the full night sleep and not just from maybe 7 to 4 a.m. every day. Okay, so I am going to get into two case studies. I'm going to walk you through two different families that I've worked with and how we were able to solve their early morning wake-ups for a baby and then for a preschooler. All right, these are gonna be two different strategies and I want you to know, um, check out the show notes because that's where I'm going to link any products that I might mention or any specific directions, okay? So here's what I wanna look at. The first case study that I worked with was a baby who was nine months old and was waking up consistently every day at 5 a.m., every single day. And this was actually after we had finished our sleep training. It's really normal that once your child starts sleeping 11 to 12 hours through the night, that they start to wake up really early. And this is happening because your baby is having such a huge amount of consolidated sleep that they've never had before. They begin to think that 5 a.m. is when we start the day. And I typically see early morning wake-ups begin in our second week of working together. Once your kid is very in to sleeping all night long, they start to wake up early. 
and I have to get it through their head that 5 a.m. is not an appropriate time to start the day. So this child had been sleeping through the night from night three, and now we were into our week two, and they started to wake up at 5 a.m. So 7 p.m. to 5 a.m. every single day like clockwork. And now we got to get picky because, yes, that's a good amount of sleep. And some of you listening to this might be thinking, that sounds like a dream. How can I go from 7 p.m. to 5 a.m.? But really, your kid needs more. So for this nine-month-old baby, Here's the checklist I went through. I first had to check on the environment. I asked mom and dad to make sure the room was 100% dark, like no sunlight coming in whatsoever. Here's why. When your baby is sleeping, even though their eyes are closed, their brain can still register sun. And if they wake up at that 5 a.m. time or they're kind of coming out of a sleep cycle, which by the way, 5 a.m. is a really light sleep stage for your baby. If their brain is sensing, oh, you know what? I see the sun shining because y'all right now in the summertime, it's bright at 530. If your baby sees through their closed eyelid and registers, oh, there's sunshine coming in, they're going to wake up. So I always make sure your room is 100% pitch black dark because as babies, they cannot cognitively think that they are afraid of the dark. That's not happening, especially for this nine month old. So darkness is key. And I suggested they get the blackout easy window covers. And I will link those, like I said, in the show notes, you can see those, but they are a, an amazing resource to have a completely dark room, but you can take it down during the day and play. That's fine. So I'm always going to do a check on the darkness. Next, I'm going to make sure that the white noise is on and is loud enough that covers up the environmental noise and also covers up noise in the house. Again, 5 a.m. is like the lightest sleep. So I wanna make sure that your baby is understanding it's not time to start the day, even though you hear someone else moving around the house. Now, in this particular case, I actually had the family change where dad was parking the car. This was a big deal because there was a diesel truck parked right outside the baby's room. And so every morning when dad would crank up his truck at like 530, it would wake the baby up. And so we had to move the truck away from the baby's side of the house and crank up the white noise because he had to leave for work. So that was going to happen. But we wanted to kind of make a little buffer. So had dad move the truck and also had the white noise just cranked up a little bit. So I want to make sure the room is dark, there is white noise, and the next thing I want to check in the environment is that there are no distractions in your child's crib. This is important because I often hear from families that, oh, my kid loves their little Fisher-Price aquarium toy in their crib. You know what I'm talking about? Those like toys you can attach in the crib. Okay, that's distracting. We don't want your child to wake up and think that it's playtime. That's like rewarding their behavior. So just because they wake up at 5 a.m. does not mean it's playtime. They really do need more sleep than that. So as tempting as it can be to have a toy in their crib, when they wake up, they can entertain themselves. It is not appropriate for your baby to wake up and have instant playtime. So take that toy out of their crib and they need to understand this is still nighttime. And having the environment right is the first thing I'm going to check. And if you've worked with me, you might be so tired of me even saying those things. But it's always the case of making sure that it really is true. I have my clients send me pictures of their child's room just so that I can make sure it is dark. When I go do in-homes, I'm going to make sure that when we turn the lights off, I can't see any sunshine. All of these factors are really important for your baby to understand that 5 a.m. is not morning. I don't care what you hear or what you see. It's not morning. All right. Once we've gotten the environment checked, the next thing I'm going to do for a baby is 
absolutely teach them that you cannot start the day until the earliest is six o'clock. This is important because your baby has no business waking up at 5 a.m. So here's where we get into like, well, Becca, what do I do? My baby wakes up at four or 5 a.m. How do I respond to them? This is where I'm going to ask you however you sleep train them. Maybe you did a stay in the room method. Maybe you did a leave and check method. Whatever you did with your baby, we're going to kind of return back to that for them. But here's the other thing I want you to know. It also has to do with how your child put themselves to sleep in the first place. So let's back up all the way till bedtime routine. Was your child depending on someone or something to put them to sleep? Well, then guess what? When they wake up at 5 a.m., they're looking for that. They're trying to make sure that at 5 a.m., they can still have that thing that helped them get sleepy or get tired in the first place. So I would want to be evaluating any type of sleep prop that was happening at bedtime routine, because that's probably what your child is looking for right now at 5 a.m. The next thing I want to be looking at is the pacifier. Y'all know from episode two, where I shared the 10 things my clients hide for me, that I am against the pacifier after four months old. And I especially see this 5 a.m. time is where parents are rushing back to plug it back into their child's mouth because the child thinks that they have to have that in order to go back to sleep or they're giving it to them so that they can just maybe suck on the pacifier and stop crying, which I understand your motives behind that. You're tired. You want a little bit more sleep, but you know, I've got to be here to encourage you and advocate for better sleep. So I want to make sure that your child knows that they are in control of their own sleep. They don't have to depend on anyone or anything. It is totally up to them. Next thing I'm going to look at is the morning start time. So making sure your child knows they need 11 minimum hours of sleep. So whether they go to bed at seven, they could start the day at six. If they go to bed at six, yes, they could start the day at five, but that's if you're on an early bedtime schedule. So I want a minimum of 11 hours of sleep for your baby. 11 to 12 is what we're aiming for. And so I want to reach that full amount for them. So we've checked out the environment. We've made sure that your child is in control of their own sleep. The next thing I'm going to do is look at the morning. I want you to ask yourself, what happens within the first 10 minutes when your baby gets up? What do you do? What do you do with your child in those first 10 minutes where you get them up out of the crib? Do they get to go to your bed and cuddle and snuggle and maybe snooze for a little bit? Do they get to go to the kitchen and immediately get a bottle? Do you sit in their room and nurse them the second you get them out of the crib? What is happening? What are they wanting? What are they looking for? And why are they so excited to start the morning? This is a big deal. So allowing some time and some space to figure out, oh, this is morning. We can't have what we want immediately is going to teach your baby that we don't need to start our day at 5 a.m. because you have to wait. Y'all know if you've worked with me, I am not ever going to rush in and instantly gratify your child. We always want to teach your child that, you know what, you are at an age and a time where you can try to help yourself a little bit and we're not going to rush in there, which by the way, is one of my upcoming podcast episodes on how to solve night wakings. But the same thing applies to the morning. I want to look at the morning time and understand that when you get your kid out of the crib, there has to be a buffer time. They cannot instantly get what they're looking for. So if you're a nursing mom listening to this, here's why I would suggest maybe dad go pick up your kid and get him changed and put clothes on and go feed the dog and then come to see you and nurse. Or if you are, uh, if dad's already at work or there's something happening and it's just you and the child, then distract as best as possible. Because if your child thinks that they can get up and nurse instantly, the second they get out of bed, then they're absolutely going to wake up earlier and earlier every day looking for their favorite thing, you. 
So we have to make sure that we are delaying that gratification. Same goes if it's a bottle or if they're looking to cuddle and go back to sleep in your bed. They're waiting for that. They're looking for it and they're hoping it starts as soon as possible. So no wonder they're waking up at 5 a.m. The next two pieces, this is a big one. I want to be looking at after we've made sure that all these things are checked off. I want to look at bedtime. It is so crazy to me that there is an ideal bedtime that is different for every single kid. So yes, in your sleep plan or here on the podcast, I might be saying a 7 p.m. bedtime. That's ideal. That's what I go for. But you know what? I've often worked with kids who are a much better sleeper and they have a fuller night if they go down at, let's say, 640 or 710. It's so amazing to me that sleep is that complex. You literally can have an ideal bedtime for your child that equals the best time in the morning. So for this nine-month-old, we found out that if we put the child to bed 15 minutes later, we had a better success of actually sleeping later in the morning. So we started doing bedtime at 715. And it turns out that this family loved that because they wanted to spend more time outside. So even 15 minutes got them a little bit more time to play, to enjoy time together, and then come in, start bedtime routine, and get it all done. So we found our ideal bedtime. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to start tracking things and test things out. Now, testing does not mean that every day you change their bedtime. I want you to actually give your baby about three to four nights of trying to see what is their ideal bedtime. So let's say you want to try 15 minutes sooner first, which I would be an advocate for, try 645 for like three or four nights. See what happens. Okay. Is that not doing anything? Now let's go forward 15 minutes. Let's try 715. See if that makes a difference. And I want you to try to piece together your child's ideal bedtime that equals a better start time, but don't just do it one time. Give them a few nights to see if they can latch onto it. And if you see success that way, the final piece of advice is to wait. Y'all, Everything in sleep is so complex. We think it's easy, right? Close your eyes, go to sleep, sleep all night long, but it's not. You have to give your child some time and space to understand that we don't start our day at 5 a.m. So if you're going through the, all these checks about making sure that you're not giving them instant gratification, you're delaying that morning start time, you're making sure that we have an ideal bedtime for them, the darkness, the white noise, no distractions. If you've got all these things in place or you're getting all these things in place, another element of it is time. Don't just give it a couple of nights. It's going to take a couple of weeks for them to understand that morning does not start until mommy and daddy decide so. It is not a 4 a.m. or a 5 a.m. We can begin the day between 6 and 7 as long as we're getting the full 11 to 12 hours of sleep. All right, now let's get into older kiddos. This could be toddlers, preschoolers, but my case study I want to look at today was actually a four-year-old, so a little bit older than a preschooler, or is that preschooler age? I guess it is. Anyways, it was a four-year-old, and every day at 4.45 a.m., he was ready to start the day. And the thing was, he wasn't even really acting tired. He was just ready. He was ready to start our day. So for an older child, I always, always, always want to look at the nap and be realistic. So I want you to go back a few episodes ago to the podcast episode where I talked about when it's time to ditch the nap, when it's time to say goodbye to the nap, because for the four-year-old, we had to remove the nap in order to understand that that's when he needed 11, 12 hours of sleep at nighttime. So we took out the nap, which was causing a problem anyways. We took out the nap, and now we were able to understand that, yes, this child can go to sleep at 7.30 or 8 o'clock and can sleep until 7 a.m. the next morning. But of course, starting every day at 4.45 a.m. is exhausting 
for everyone. And what was happening at 445 was he was able to go in the kitchen, grab his iPad, come back to his bed and play. So if you're listening to this, you might be like, well, of course, that's why he's waking up at 445. Yes, that is one piece of it because he's getting that instant gratification. But y'all, it is exhausting at 4.45 a.m. No one wants to start their day that early. So I absolutely sympathize with mom that, oh my gosh, yes, you're tired. So you're giving them that iPad so everybody can go back to sleep. But we do have to change that. So here's the process of how I worked with this child to understand that you can sleep later. And just a heads up, our end result was sleeping from 7.30 to 6.30 every single day. And it took a little time to get there, but here's what we did. Again, I'm going to check the environment. Make sure that it is as dark as possible. Now, this child did want a nightlight. He had expressed he was scared of the dark. So we added the salt lamp and that was able to kind of give him that little bit of light, but not disrupt his sleep. Like I talked about in the previous episode here. And then we looked at white noise, making sure that that steady, constant rhythmic noise was cueing him to sleep well and to sleep longer and to not wake up for environmental noise. All right. So the same thing, darkness, white noise, all that good stuff. Now I'm going to look at expectations. Okay, for babies, you really can't prep them or talk to them about what's going to happen. But for toddlers, preschoolers, older kids, you can and you have to talk to them about what you're going to do. So what I had mom do the day before, so like the morning before all of these new expectations were going to happen, I had her go through some cards, some visual cues, some visual cards that I give my clients to talk about, hey, this is what you're going to do. Tonight, you're going to get in your bed, you're going to close your eyes, you're going to be quiet, and you're going to stay in your bed until the clock turns green or turns seven or whatever expectation you want. But we had to go over some visual expectations for this child so that he understood what to do and how to do it. And we reminded him, all the time. All right. Four-year-olds have to be constantly reminded. And so do toddlers. They have to be reminded all the time of this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. As a former elementary teacher, I am fully versed on having expectations and your children, your students rising to the level of your expectations. Yeah, that's what we're doing here. We are telling your child, this is what you're going to do. You're going to lay in your bed and be quiet and sleep until the clock turns green. In the morning, that's when we start. The next step, once you've gone over your expectations about what you want them to do, is to reward them. Show them what they're going to get. Immediately in the morning, when they reach their goal, they get blank. I don't know why kids love Band-Aids, but they do. That is the most common reward that I'm suggesting are, hey, get a box of fun, colorful, or character Band-Aids, and they get one every morning when they reach their goal or purple Play-Doh, or a little figurine, whatever it is, small, a little object, but it's not food and it's not the iPad. Um, Whatever they're getting in the morning, you cannot use that as their reward, okay? So if they're used to the iPad or they're used to getting in your bed to watch a show, that's not their reward when they meet their goals in the morning. It has to be something different. So for this child, our expectation was that he was going to lay in his bed and be quiet and wake up and get up out of his bed when the clock turned green. And we started at 6 a.m. So with that expectation in mind, when the clock turned six, that's when you could get out of bed and then you get a sticker. And so the next thing we wanted to look at after we taught him these expectations is follow through with it. So as he met those goals instantly in the morning, he got that reward. The other things I want you to look into is really asking your child 
what motivates them? What do they want? How are they feeling? What's going on? Because I want you to be communicating with your child the whole time about this process. You have to remind them. You have to praise them. You have to really let them know that this is good. They're doing a great job. I'm so proud of you. This is hard, but you're doing so great. And filling them up with praise. Gosh, every kid loves praise. They really just want to please you. So helping them along the way through a rewards chart, a reward system, by helping them to feel success is going to be so, so valuable. So with this child, the four-year-old with the iPad in the morning, what we ended up doing was saying that from 7.30 to 6 was okay for now. And we kept that expectation for a couple of days. And then we moved the clock to 6.15. But guess what? We didn't tell him. We didn't tell the child we're moving the clock. He didn't need to know that. He just needed to feel success. So this is the one part where I don't communicate with the child about, hey, it's actually now, you know, the clock is now set to 6.15, so you need to stay in bed a little longer. It's not really able to understand that fully yet, but what we want to see is that success feeling. The once he got to the 6 a.m. time, he got it and he understood, and then he's going to move on, and we're going to just keep seeing better and better and more success. And the last piece about older kids, as you work through rewards and consequences and taking away those early morning gratification pieces... It takes time. And so what I want you to do is find a buddy, find an accountability buddy, whether that's a friend who's gone through something like this, talk to your spouse, talk to your partner about what you're doing and find someone else beside your child to talk about this process because early morning wake-ups are so frustrating. That's why I find a lot of success with my families I work with. It's gonna take about a month for an older child to kind of come out and be able to get to the other side. So this process of getting a child from that 4.45 to the final 6.30 piece, that took about a month. And it was a lot of ups and downs in between it, but I wanted that child to feel successful. And so it was a lot of motivation on my part to the mom's part, but it was also just a lot of pepping and prepping him and making him feel like he was doing such a great job, but continuously showing him the rewards, making sure he understood what was happening and reaching our end goal. And so it's all about that motivation piece for older kids. I don't care what people say, kids are motivated for something. So whatever your child is motivated for, if you have a kiddo who is struggling, they're waking up in between the 4 and 6 a.m. time, I want you to figure out what motivates them, implement a rewards chart, a reward system with them, start to use that clock to your advantage, and I'm going to link in the show notes my favorite toddler clock, make sure the environment is right, and really clue them into what's happening and why that's happening. I know it is so easy at 4 and 5 a.m. to give in, to give them the iPad, to toss your kid in your bed, to just breastfeed in your bed and have them go back to sleep. But we have to break that cycle out of it. If you have questions about this, I would love to talk with you. You can send me an email, Rebecca at littlezsleep.com, and we can walk through it. Early morning wake-ups are absolutely the number one topic that I'm dealing with with my clients after we get through sleeping through the night. So this is such a common topic. I'm so glad I was able to share some strategies. Hope you have sweet dreams. See you next time.